Hello and welcome to this new season of the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and for this first episode I'm speaking to Ben Clement, the man behind Good Sport Magazine. As you'll hear, Ben is a photographer and sports fan who got together with a bunch of his friends in Melbourne in 2014 to make the sort of sports magazine that they would want to read. So crossing over with subjects like art and food and culture and staying well clear of more conventional sports reporting. Since then, the team has changed. He has moved from Melbourne to Amsterdam, and he's also launched a new print project called Make Running, uh, which is a magazine that focuses in on this extraordinary race, the Speed Project, in which teams run in relay from LA to Las Vegas. It's a really interesting, impressionistic new title, and I'm very pleased to say that Ben has already entered it into this year's Stack Awards. And of course, if you make an independent magazine, we want to see that too. Entries are open until 27th of September and we've got thousands of pounds worth of prizes waiting to be won. So head over to stackmagazines.com forward slash awards for more information on how to enter that. But first I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Ben Clement from Good Sports. Hey Ben, thanks so much for coming over. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. It's been, I think we've had a bunch of emails over the years, so it's good to be in person chatting. This this conversation is a long time in the making. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, not not helped by the fact that you're not normally in London. No, so, no. So you made this magazine called Good Sports yes. and uh, some other things as well besides it. So um, maybe for people who've not heard of good sport before you could tell us a bit about what that is yeah well um good sport's been around essentially since 2014 and was started with a group of us in australia and melbourne um and the reason why we started it and what it was about was a magazine i mean we really believed in, in printed matter and making a magazine and we wanted to do something uh new for the year and we're all kind of getting back into sport but had no home for it um, and we were looking at what was around in the world in terms of journalism and photography and, and writing and, and publications, and there was nothing really grabbing to us that really related to us and our peers. And we were like, whoa, oh my gosh, like there's nothing here. Like there's this whole gap, like that's so exciting and something we really believed in as well. So we kind of just got stuck into it really. And it's, essentially we wanted to do something that was against the traditional moulds of a, of a sporting magazine. And um, what it really represents is all the connections that sport to, has to a lot of different things like design and food and architecture and culture and um, obviously the performance side of it as well and then being able to incorporate it into a printed mag with really great photography as well. So it's exciting, yeah. I, I love it. I, I love the story of the people who start out by going, I love this subject or this thing, mm. but there's no magazine that represents the way that I see this. Because, I mean, your typical sports magazine tends to be dominated by results and, mm. and coverage, and, and good sport is the opposite of that. Exactly, yeah. And that was something we wanted to s steer really well away from. Or if we did do that, we would do it in a way that we believed in or cared about or almost not took the piss, but like did it in a conceptual, interesting way. Like we have a section called Halftime Oranges and I don't know if you remember growing up playing football and you'd always have a segment of orange at halftime or at the end of the game 
and the food kind of crossover into sport is super interesting so always dedicated section called that and there's so many interesting ways to explore food and we can kind of get really stat based and things like that but that's far more interesting than how many goals someone scored you know so yeah Yeah, absolutely and am i right in saying that you're a photographer yeah so i've been a photographer for about 15 years and i kind of was getting quite into shooting i guess sport type things at the same time the idea for good sport sparked as well so i was kind of chasing these two goals of uh you know the storytelling and then the visual side of it and then now the magazine also allows me to shoot kind of editorial or or long form kind of visual stories for it as well which is cool and you've got some great uh, copy in there as well so the presumably this isn't all done by you the who who's the core team yeah so um the the original core team is kind of i guess disbanded and moved on to other projects um, and so I've kind of remained, and we have a designer based in Melbourne, um, Tristan Chedio of Never Now, who's an incredible designer. Um, and then we have an editor who's based between South Africa and Melbourne, um, a proofer who's based here in London. Um, and then we have just contributing writers and thing, and so on, and kind of editors at large that jump on for a, um, for an issue um, when we are doing an issue essentially so yeah the team's pretty scattered um, now we've got a, got a pretty core team of about three four people um, and we kind of all gel pretty well together and understand what the kind of driving force and goals are yeah but but I mean you say you gel together how often do you actually see each other because you're, you're presumably all in very different places yeah. well I've been living in Amsterdam for the last year um, we yeah there's a lot of digital communication at the moment um when we are in melbourne we're all together essentially except if our other editors in south africa but um yeah i think this day and age we're, we're pretty comfortable with with time zones and calling and scheduling and stuff like that i mean you know sometimes it's really great being in the same office and just gelling and getting things done but a lot of the work making a magazine is sometimes you just want to be in the zone like getting it done and you know setting agendas and timings and it doesn't matter yeah as long as you have someone to touch base with yeah. and do, does that also contribute to the frequency of the magazine because it, it's been kind of uh informal yeah exactly <laughs> i think initially i wanted to really i was amb- ambitious in the sense i was like all right, i want to do two a year and then it kind of ended up being one a year because Essentially, I'm still very busy as a photographer um, and I have a lot of goals in that sense. And then, I mean, as you know, and you've probably heard with many other conversations, the, the financing of, a, of an independent magazine is, is just crazy. And I've poured it, I've worked like my ass off all year to like put my own money into it. And then I'm like, whoa, this is intense. Um, and obviously it takes up a lot of energy and time to, to, to physically make the mag and then continue distributing and selling it. So... I think, I mean, in an ideal world, we would have loved to have gone once a year or twice a year. But I think at the same time, we're like, okay, we're, we're being a non-traditional magazine. Why do we have to follow these kind of seasonal releases that um, kind of the more commercial magazines have followed or do follow? And I was like, well, why don't we just release it when it makes sense to when either we have the funding or the, all the ideas all come together and we have enough energy to do so? And I think right now we took a little bit of a break over after issue three and we focused a lot on building the voice on the website and things like that and 
it actually really allowed us to sit on ideas and really criticize or be critical and and refine them and now we're in a really good space about what we actually want to put into print and kind of learn further what it means to go okay that's definitely an online story that this belongs in print it it really can be told so i think it's helped us with nl wisdom i think you could call it yeah and i guess it's also allowed you to play around with the physical structure of the magazine as well so the 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 magazine uh in its normal format is like a smaller kind of off a5 kind Mm. of thing and then you brought out like a much bigger large format version Mm. i think um yeah so we did like what we called an annual report which was kind of a homage to your your poster style um things you would get in a traditional sporting sense if you went to a game or you you subscribe to something, you do a poster edition or a calendar of some sort. And we wanted to do something like that to kind of break up what we were doing with our traditional like cut down A4 size. And I think that was the beauty. We wanted to make Good Sport a platform that could experiment with other things, whether they're printed or an event or um, a talk or, or, you know, multiple other types of things. So it was quite interesting to be able to, to push like that. And that was also the first time Tristan had come on to to be the designer after the first issues so it was also a good way for us to kind of gel and work together on something um, and kind of redefine the the design style of the mag as well and like really allowed you to go big with the images as well I mean you had some fantastic pictures in there totally and I think the mag has always been really um, photography forward um, and wanting to champion the best photography possible and sometimes it just needs to be big Um, you know and (laughs) I remember there's a photo that Emily May photographed of a boxer and I think it's the middle spread of that and it's this most incredible photo. And I remember being a kid and getting basketball magazines and you always love the one that came with the poster. So I think, you know, I have a, a soft spot for a poster for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, all right, so you've been making this thing um, under your own steam for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And then again, as, as we often hear with, with publishers who are making something themselves, the opportunity comes along to make something for other people. Mm-hmm. And so we have this new magazine now called Make Running. Yes. Yeah. So Make Running is essentially, after all the efforts of making good sport, I um, met uh, a guy in LA who started this very crazy race. It's a very, it's unsanctioned there's no rules it's a it's like a team relay that goes between LA and Vegas and you can get there any way you want with any kind of team and it's it's really wild and he came from agency world so you know he knows ins and outs of different things and work with different brands and so on and pretty radical kind of guy and we had actually kind of covered some stuff through good sport and we got talking we're kind of running in Amsterdam and eating some food and we're like, hey, we should kind of work on something together. And I think as a lot of these things happen, they start as a small idea and then they kind of rapidly grow and it was just going to be like a small zine and then it turned into this kind of full-blown publication. Um, and I think it's interesting, like I maybe for me, I was in this point of time where I was kind of ready to explore something new and I was actually photographing a lot of running and kind of a lot of conversations about running and I really like the idea of a focused idea whereas good sport is quite broad in terms of we can talk about multiple sports and with multiple connections at any point in time whereas this new running dedicated magazine also focuses 
um, specifically on a moment or a place, um, whether that be a race or a city or a country or a, an event of some kind. So you can kind of, you have these parameters to work within and you have to find all the stories within that. And that's a really interesting format to work in, I think. And presumably gives you a, a bit of a help with the distribution as well, because if the race has been in one place, mm. I imagine if I've just run in that race, I'm going to be more interested in exactly. reading the magazine about it. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, whether you're doing a race or a city, people want to read about that. And, and running is at the moment is a very popular thing. I mean, it's, it has been popular for a long time, but there's a lot of kind of things happening in it and in the same vein as good sport we we did see a lot happening but we're like we feel like there's layers that aren't being uncovered and there's these new conversations that I think can be had and a lot of the photography is kind of like traditionally like uh, a nice posed runner doing their thing showing off a shoe whatever and we're like I think we can be a lot more conceptual I feel like um, there's more to be done here. So it's, it's, again, it's an experiment, but there's uh, a lot of ideas that we were like, I feel like this can really do well in print. Um, and it also really helps in terms of like, if, if we're talking like brand partnerships and event partnerships, it's, it's really easily understood in that sense. We can go, hey, we have this event. Do you want to partner with us? We can do stuff together. And it, it opens up a lot of doors in terms of resource and access. So, so Make Running started <clears throat> specifically about this one event between LA and Vegas, yeah. but you seem to be talking about it as something which is now an ongoing project. So yeah, will you, yeah. are there other races between cities that I don't know about? Well, I think that's, I mean, there's definitely other races, but I think we're quite interested in looking at your other, you know, your major marathons around the world, like your London Marathon or something like that. And and kind of diving really deep into what stories could be told whether whether you're talking about a suburb that the race goes through or someone who's ran the race 50 times over the last whatever amount of time you know and so i think there's these you know you can really pull it apart um or you could look at a city and go how does running work within the city of london for example um so i think that's really interesting and it actually really helps me between the two publications to have one really hyper-focused idea and then to get a lot more maybe, I don't know if the right word is experimental with good sport, but I can kind of really mix things up a bit more and have a bit more freedom with that because it's kind of, for I guess, my, my baby in a sense, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still the place where you can play. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. totally. So you, you, you obviously travel around a lot between mm-hmm. cities. Amsterdam, I, I know, has got a really great, publishing scene mm, there yeah. at the moment some really interesting magazines there mm. the Ateneum uh, bookshop in the middle of yeah. things how does that compare to when you're in Melbourne because my sense is that there's something going on there as well but I'm obviously much further away from it yeah you're definitely right I mean and being in the Netherlands the the print scene is has a long history and I mean even the design world is has a long history there and they've come together really well um, so, I mean they have the best printing houses there like we used the same printing house that prints MacGuffin and the Foam magazine. And working with them, they just completely understand and um, they really want to push your publication further. They, they know what's out there and what's possible. Um, and obviously having Athenaeum and some of the other kind of bookstores and there's like Unseen, the big photo festival, which has all the zines and things like that. I think it's a really rich culture and it has a long history. 
Australia is also really interesting. Maybe I would say specifically Melbourne. We have some incredible stores here like Perimeter that have done a lot for the publishing scene. And there's a lot of other smaller publishing houses that always travel to the big um, book fairs around the world. And I think there's a really strong scene there, but maybe not in terms of your larger scale printing houses. I think most people I know would still print overseas. Um, But I think it's got a pretty thriving and I think because a lot of people travel, they understand, they bring back a lot of knowledge. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking um, <clears throat> uh, Kai from Offscreen, mm. I know prints in Germany. Yeah. Because I think he is originally he's German. From, they say he's yeah. that, that makes he sense. he lived in Melbourne, I think, for a while. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And But so when you say like people printing overseas, is that mainly in Asia? And is that like an economic? Yeah, I think it's an economic thing. I think a lot of people, I mean, there's also a reputation. A lot of the places in like Hong Kong and other parts of China and so on and so forth, do have really good reputations as great printing um, kind of places, but economically it makes a lot more sense. I've printed small run independent kind of more personal books in Melbourne and looking at the price comparisons is just so high. Even though you want to support the local um, business, whether or not they're independent or or not, you kind of, the numbers don't lie sometimes. Um, I mean, with Goodspot, we always printed in Europe. Um, uh, I think the first issue was printed in Hong Kong, um, but then we moved to Europe because we, the quality was better and we wanted to chase that. And our distribution network was very vastly through Europe and North America. So we actually saved on shipping by printing there anyway mm-hmm. um, and maintained a really high standard of quality of print. Yeah. Yeah. So what does the future hold for Goodspot? And so we've got issue three came out, I guess just over a year ago, yeah, is that that, end yeah. of 2018? Yeah, maybe a year, almost a year and a half now actually, yeah. So it's gone, it's gone fast, like it's sold really well. We've, we've increased um, our distribution with this issue. Um, and it was really good to kind of take that time to let it breathe and, and sell through and um, things like that. And now we've started those exciting conversations around issue four and I mean, issue four, there's been a folder sitting on my computer for a while with ideas being kind of added to it slowly. And now we've gone, okay, we've set some timings and our um, touch wood is timing for it is winter um, 2020. So give or take between December and Feb, um, if we meet our deadlines correctly and get the right funding and things like that. But that's the aim. Um, And we're super pumped to, to get it out. And I think... Yeah, like, you know, when you let something rest and then it, it kind of becomes better when you've got new ideas kind of formed. So I think, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, one, how different it is, but also maintaining the integrity of what good sport is as well. Uh, and then for anyone who's been listening to this and wants to get hold of Make Running, how do they find one of those? Right now, the best way to get it is makerunning.com. Um, uh, distribution will roll out throughout um, September mostly and that'll be North American first Um, we're still tying down European distribution but that'll also probably more so roll out end of um, mid to end of September Um, but if you want it now makerunning.com 
Fantastic. Well, I'm really pleased we finally managed to make this conversation happen. So thank you for coming over and good luck with these mags. Thanks so much. And um, good luck to everyone entering the Stack Awards (laughs) too. (laughs) So I I should say we're recording this in August. I'm about to go on holiday. I'm very relaxed about the awards at the moment, but by the time this goes out, it'll be September and I will not be relaxed. So um, (laughs) thank you for mentioning the awards. Yeah, definitely. All good. yeah, well, and look out for good sport coming, hopefully, yeah, winter 2020. Got it. Awesome. Cheers, Ben. Cool. Okay, that's all for this week. I would like to say thanks again to Ben for dropping in last month. And thanks also for his mention of the awards. As I predicted, I'm indeed starting to get a little bit stressed about that now. So if you're thinking of entering, make sure that you don't miss that deadline. We need to have received your magazines by the 27th of September. And that is not very far away now. Okay. We've got lots more conversations with magazine makers lined up for the coming weeks. So thanks very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.